So before I get into the Word, as we're worshipping, uh, I just received a vision from God. It was amazing. And uh, it, was, it came along with those words that I just shared, that a breakthrough brings change. And, uh, and I'm going to share a bit about breakthrough today. But yet, in the sense, um, God just brought a confirmation to me as we were just there in that last part of worship. And this picture came to me. And it was a picture of a, of a, of a gushing stream. And it was more than a stream. It was a river that was almost in flood. Like the mighty Nile or the river Euphrates or something like that, which is mentioned in the Bible. You think about this river that was in flood. The word breakthrough comes along the same lines as the word breach. And when a river's in breach, when a river's in breakthrough, what happens is that water breaks out into an area that doesn't usually get watered. Now I say the churches have been watered for a long time. And I believe God is breaking through the churches so that he can water a land that is dry and thirsty. And in that vision, I saw a desert becoming a flood with flour. I saw a desert becoming a flood with trees and plantings of the Lord as God establishes his breakthrough in our city. And that's what I, I believe God is doing through us right now. He's just breaking through the walls of our life and he's breaking through the walls of the church and he's just saying, guys, it's more than this. My blessing is to overflow from you and to bless those around you. Why don't we stand and pray into that for a moment? Father, I just thank you for that mighty vision, for that amazing, amazing vision from heaven. Lord, I thank you that you have chosen your church to be a part of that. Every church in Griffith, Lord God, has a portion of your glory on it and receives a portion of your mercy flow and your glorious, glorious standard. But Lord, I pray that you would break out the walls of each church in Griffith. Not just this church, but each and every church of Griffith, Lord God, that would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus and they would say the Holy Spirit is their seal of approval. Each church that they would be broken through, that every wall that has held them back will be broken through and that the river will be in breach. And the living waters of Jesus Christ may impact a nation through this humble city. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let it be. Amen. 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 You may take your seats. All right. Got a fun, bit of fun today, a little bit of teaching, a um, little bit of hopefully inspiration. We'll see what Holy Spirit wants to do. But uh, I've got to find myself here in the Bible somewhere. I know God's got it marked for me. All right. I want to read Genesis 1, 26. It says this. And I'll read right through to uh, 29. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Right. I think God wants to make a point there. Overall. In all. Overall. Overall. All those over every, when you look at it. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. This image bearer of God, this man and woman created in the image of God, 
was not just created to have dominion, but was then given everything that would be, uh, help them to be successful in their dominion. They didn't want anything. There was no lack within that garden. But yet, throughout history, humanity have sought to know God. These two image bearers knew God. They walked with Him in the cool of the evening. Yet within each person, there is something missing now. A yearning of the heart for more. This God-shaped hole is something that is a remnant of the fall. That day when Adam and Eve took upon themselves to be like God. That fateful day when they listened to the voice of pride and that voice of their adversary. That which was good, or in a sense, that which what God said was very good, chose to eat the forbidden. And since that day, humanity has lived for itself in a sort of way. And we have lost something and we have sought to restore that relationship with God. By our own means sometimes. And because we've sought to make this relationship right, we've created religious ways of doing that. Because that's man's way of actually trying to appease a God that is distant and far away. And we've become, there's like 4,200 different gods or something in the world now. Because humanity is trying to reach out to the one who created them. And in their corruption of sin, we have formed gods after our own desires. Which is what happens. Because we were created to worship something greater than ourselves. That's a whole sermon in itself. And I don't want to go there. I could, but I don't want to go there today. I don't think we need to. But you have to understand that you were created to worship God. You see, Genesis 1.26 tells us that you were created in the image of God. And in a sense, you were like God, but you must know that you're not God. Okay? And how many of us have struggled, and I'm number one in this, how many have struggled with self on the throne and worshipped self in the middle of that? You see, so since the fall, humanity has lived pretty much for themselves. Apart from what we uh, see recorded in the Word of God, people have become enslaved to the God of this world known as Satan and formed for themselves gods of worship the, in the image of them very selves or in the created beings themselves. It is here that the remarkable story of breakthrough actually finds its meaning. This is the greatest story of breakthrough. And I'm going to preach it before I teach it. Is that all right? Okay, cool. The remarkable story of breakthrough is not that man broke through to God. Who's seen those old pictures where there's a cliff face and man's attempt to try and reach God on the other side of the chasm? Every time man tries to reach God, they fall. We can't make God's glorious standard, as Romans puts it. But you see, the remarkable story of breakthrough is that Jesus, God himself, broke through from a period of timelessness into time. He broke through the very rules he made and set up. And he became, him himself, outside of time, became someone in time. At a very specific time. 
And you can find that in the history books if you search. His name was Jesus Christ, born of God, perfect in every way. He was the Lamb of God who was sent for one purpose, to be slain. You see, every effort that I make to come before God falls short. But when God makes one effort, He breaks through. That was what happened at creation when God said, Let there be light. What broke forth was light. And the very creative purpose of His Word brought about everything that you see. God is a God of breakthrough. I said a couple of weeks ago when I was sharing the first part of this message, I said that breakthrough was not a word easily found in the Bible. Remember that? Yeah. You know, that afternoon, um, one of our sisters here, Ruth, came to me and she said, you know, I know where the word is. It's a Hebrew word. And I said, thanks, Ruth. That's awesome. And I put that on the shelf for a little while. But I went home that afternoon and guess what I found in my trusty old New King James? The exact word breakthrough. The only place it's written once. And it's written in the New King James. We're going to look at that really quickly in a moment. So I've been on a little bit of a journey of discovery since two weeks, three weeks ago. And uh, it kind of started mainly this week. And I text Ruth and I said, Ruth, where was that passage? And it, and it was the exact same passage that I looked up in New King James. It was really funny. It was really, really cool. And uh, a bit of a, a journey through that. And I had a bit of a look. But you see, I'm actually seeing breakthrough everywhere, like God breaking into time, like God speaking forth the, the, the very creative word, let there be light. There's breakthrough in everything that we see that God does. So I want to teach you a little bit about breakthrough. Is that all right? Breakthrough can be used in two ways. And the first way is in the vision that I shared this morning, that it was like the breach of a river a mighty river, that it's like broken through and the waters go through that area. But the other way breakthrough uh, is, is taught within the Bible and seen within the Bible is in battle terms. Yeah, If you're in a, in a mighty war, what you want to see is breakthrough, don't you? You want to break through the lines of the front. You want to break through probably at the flanks of the enemy. Because if you can break through the flanks, you can bring chaos and you can overrun and, and destroy that which is your purpose. And you see, breakthrough is this, uh, this term that is used interchangeably with words like breach, okay? break out, and burst through. There's some words that your Bible uses in place of the word breakthrough. The Hebrew word that this word relates to is actually called uh, poretz. Other words used throughout the Old Testament, including break out, break through, burst through, these other words give us an understanding. They are to spread abroad, to compel, like, like sharing the gospel to your friend. We are actually meant to compel them to understand the truth. It's like this sense of breaking through, breaking through the the, the scales of their eyes and helping them see the truth. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But it's our job to faithfully share it so that He can break through their worldly ways. That's that same sense that what I'm saying is to compel. Disperse is another word. To grow, to increase, 
to open, to press, who's been pressed by God. Hmm? There's an interesting term right there. If God's pressing you, it's generally because he's wanting to break through something in your life. All right? Scatter or to urge. There's that same word as compel. I urge you, brethren. You hear Paul uses that term a lot when he writes in the New Testament. I urge you. I compel you. Uh, inviting people to church. I compel you, come. Because in, in the, the message of Jesus is the word of truth and the message of life. And I can't do anything but compel you to come. And as the word touches their heart, the breakthrough happens. So they're the kind of words that help us understand this Hebrew word, parats. So 2 Samuel 5, 17, if you'd like to open there. Let me read it to you. I'll read it out of the New King James for you this morning. It says, Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. There's a time in your Bibles where David has finally brought together unity amongst Israel. He was the king of Judah and he's running away and he's doing all sorts of things. And, and Israel are chasing him, the ten, the ten tribes. And, and, and yet, right here, right now, there's a real breakthrough in the life of the Israelites. Because God has brought unity amongst them. And they become a very mighty nation. And the Philistines don't like that they've become mighty. Those who dwell in the land around them, who have been raiding them for years and who have been taking from them for years, who have been oppressing them for years. Sounds a little bit like some of us at times, doesn't it? Who's been raided by the enemy? Who's had oppression of the enemy? Who's had something taken from them that wasn't meant to be taken from you? This is what's happening in this story. The Israelites are finally jack of having everything taken from them, including their food. And rallying behind a king... They're going to make a stand. It just so happened to be that this king was God's anointed, God's chosen. The one that God said will be king and his throne will last forever. Interesting concept. But you see, it says that they were not happy. Verse 18. No, I'll read. It said, And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. One thing that you've got to understand, David was not scared. He was not scared of any enemy. Yeah, he had a big army behind him, but he had a bigger God in front of him. And he, he didn't run from the challenge of the Philistines. He went down to the challenge, like he did when he went to Goliath. Remember that? Yeah. I have fought the lion and the bear. This filthy Philistine, he's going to be like one of those. It's kind of his words. And he's gone down this time, I believe, with the same attitude. Verse 18, the Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Wise man, will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to ba uh, Baal Perazim. And David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of the place Baal Perazim. 
Guess what that word means? The name of that place means the Lord of breakthroughs. The Lord, He is good. The Lord of breakthrough. Mm, interesting. God is a mighty God who breaks through. So I might have explained something there, but you might have caught something because the pestilence might be coming against you. David's first act was to go to God, who was his breakthrough. And the fruit of that was that God brought about a mighty breakthrough in that place. You can keep reading that. There's, there's a little bit more to do with breakthrough there, but that's where I want to stop for right now. When all appears lost, when they, were, when they were encamped around, surrounded by a Philistine garrison, God broke through. It's an interesting thing. Micah 2.13. There's another place you'll find this word, parats. The one who breaks open will come up before them. They will break out, pass through the gate and go out by it. Their king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. This is a time of captivity. It's a time where this specific message brought about a hope to a nation that was in disarray. Micah prophesies the one who breaks open. There he is again. The one who breaks open will come up before them. They will break out. Pass through the gate and go out by it. The king will pass before them with the Lord at their head. This, the one who breaks out, is actually a messianic title or a term which relates to Jesus. Okay, It's a messianic term. And it means, this is what it means. See, I've been saying God, the God of breakthrough, but this will help us understand a little bit more because you'll understand Jesus by these terms and you'll understand God by these terms. It means deliverer or redeemer. So the one who breaks out, the one who will deliver, the one who will redeem goes before and the others they will break out and pass through the gate. Psalm 18.2 puts it this way. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. You see, praise is an important thing if you're feeling the oppression of an enemy. You heard Jamie talk about gratitude this morning. The Lord delivers through the praise of His people. So if you missed praise this morning, guys, you've missed something important in your life. And you've missed a portion of breakthrough that God wants to bring in you. Because praise is the key that brings the deliverance. That's Psalm 18.2. And again, I see the parallel in Jesus in John 10. What does John 10 say? 
It's the whole passage about Jesus being the good shepherd. Jesus also says in there something that people forget. He also says, I am the gate. You see, I am the gate or the door is another way that it's rendered. And Micah 2.13 picks up on this. They will pass through the gate and go out by it. Their king will pass before them, talking of the shepherd, the deliverer, the redeemer, and the Lord at their head. So not only is it a picture of Jesus leading the sheep, because the sheep know his voice, we've got to realize that the sheep can't go anywhere unless the gate opens to them, which is Jesus. The gate's very important because the gate does two things. The gate locks them in at night time, keeps them in a hedge of protection. Who's ever prayed a hedge of protection over people? Yeah? What you're actually praying is John 10, that the shepherd would lead them in by the gate at night time, they would go in and the hedge would protect them so that they could not be eaten by wolves and that the gate would be closed so that they were safe. And Jesus talks about the thief comes over the wall. Remember that? That's John 10. You can have a look at it later if you like. So Jesus is the gate. No one comes in through the gate but through him. No one goes out into pasture, blessing, provision, the streams of abundance, the the, the Psalm 23 that, is, that you can so easily read and go through it. And he makes me lie down in green pastures and still waters and all of that fun stuff that, that we look at and we say, yeah, I really want that God, but I'm not feeling it. You're not feeling it because you're not seeing God break through in your life because you're being discouraged by what you see instead of being like David and pushing in to the God who delivers. This is the God of breakthrough. You want breakthrough in your life. It starts with your Mouth opening to God in prayer. And it starts with your body jumping all into praise. You see, as you praise God, you get a heart of gratitude. And guess what pales into insignificance? There's the Philistine garrison that's around you. Because it's nothing in the light of who your God is. God is my breakthrough. God is my redeemer. God is my deliverer. And he's the gate of my life. So when... So I want to make a declaration to you today. I want to declare to you that God is a God of breakthrough in whatever area of your life you are needing a breakthrough in. I prophesy that your breakthrough is coming and is now in Jesus' name. For some, it's a breakthrough in your thought life. I had a young lady come to me this morning and just tell me, and the smile on her face said it all. I saw breakthrough, I saw renewal. What I saw was, and you know what she said to me? I no longer fear death. And I'm like, hallelujah. That is a God who has broken through a wall in that person's life. So I declare that God, your breakthrough, is going to break through your thought life. He is going to break through into your health and bring you the might and the health that he has promised you. If you're struggling financially, I prophesy that you are going to find your blessing in Him. And for those of you who struggle to praise or struggle to worship because your life seems like it's too oppressive, I want to declare to you today that the God of breakthrough is going to break through your oppression and you will not help but praise Him. For what he has done. See, this is the God that we serve. He is a mighty God. 
He is a God of breakthrough. And whatever it is you need a breakthrough in today, it's here in Jesus. So what happens when God breaks through? If Jesus is the ultimate story of triumph and breakthrough, what happens when God breaks through in our lives? I've got a couple of scriptures. I want to read these really quickly. Can you keep up with me? I normally talk pretty slow, so I think you'll be able to be keeping all right. But what we see today, this world is not all God had intended for us. Yes, it is getting better, but sin still controls the lives of so many people. When God breaks through, I believe he restores that which was lost. He is not only the deliverer, but also the redeemer. When God breaks through, he, respect, he spreads the blessing abroad. He compels us to live a life in his grace and strength. He disperses us to the four corners of the globe and he causes growth and increase. These are all buzzwords, but they all link back to this word breakthrough. There was a man who was justified by faith, a father to many of us. His name was Abraham, a man chosen by God to carry the seed of grace and the redemptive plan of God. God brought about some mighty breakthroughs in his life, if you want to research them. And we are benefiting today because of his faith. Let's look at some of these promises that God made to Abraham. I won't give you an exhaustive list, but Genesis 12.1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Amen? Amen. Genesis 15:5. And he brought him outside and said, So God brings Abraham outside into the night sky, sorry, the night sky and says, Look toward heaven. And number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and it was counted it to him as righteousness. Genesis 17.1 When Abram was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. And someone once told me that the H means that God added himself to the Abraham's name. And that's an interesting little thought. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Interesting promises, aren't they? They're not the entirety of the promises to Abraham, but they give us a picture of what God said. In James chapter 2, 
James writes this in verse 22. You see the faith was active along with his works. He's talking of Abraham. And faith was completed by his works. What was his works? To believe God's voice and command and to go into his wife at 99 years old and conceive a child. His works showed his faith. So we see that's what James is actually talking about here. Right? And then he says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. You heard that a moment ago. But this is a bit that I like what James adds. And he was called a friend of God. Jamie said last week that our highest purpose and calling in life is to be a friend of God. Do you remember that? Mm. Abraham was called a friend of God. Why? Because of his faith. You see, and in this li- in the life of Abraham, I see three things, and these three things I'm going to conclude with as I wrap up today. I got five minutes or so, so we'll see if we can get through them. Three things that God will do in your life when He breaks through. And the first one is, God will be your friend. When God breaks through in your life, you will understand that He's not just your God, someone that you are to fear. But he's right beside you, there comforting you. Jesus talks about the paraclete. He talks about sending the Holy Spirit, who is our great counsel and comfort. You see, I think that's the work of the Holy Spirit, is to show us that God's our friend. And that we can go to him in our times of need. Abraham was considered God's friend. That relationship that was lost in the garden was restored due to a future sacrifice. On the cross. A covenant was made between God and man that God would fulfill. Abraham was the beneficiary of God's breakthrough and it brought him friendship. Abraham was justified by faith. The day you meet your Lord in glory will be the day that you will also see Abraham saved, justified by his faith in the promised seed that was Jesus Christ. You see, it all makes sense now. The friendship restored the image bearer title to humanity. No longer do you bear the image of sin, but you bear the image of your father and friend. You are now an image bearer. That's what a worshipper does. They bear the image of someone. Do you bear the image of yourself and your selfishness? Or will you choose to bear the image of your God who is fully gracious? As friends, we get to understand who God is. In Christ, through faith, in his completed work, you and I are now God's image bearers. This is not an onerous task, but what but was to be founded upon friendship. As friends of God, we are now free to worship God. You're not compelled to like a creation. You're freed. You have a choice. As created beings, we must settle in our hearts that we are created to worship. In Christ, we can now fulfill this in spirit and in truth. We are redeemed back to God, not by what we do, but by His mighty hand of deliverance and breakthrough. When God breaks into your life, you will understand this title of friend. 
And you will get to know more and more intricate details of God. Like you get to know the intricate details of your closest and nearest friend. You'll also have a support and a counsel through your trials. Someone, an advocate who's with you just saying, Hey, I'm in the midst of this. And you also have a Christ who is continually interceding, whispering into his Father's ear about your common circumstance. God cares, just as your best friend cares. But he does it greater. The second thing that happens when God breaks through in our life, and I see this follows friendship, because anything outside of friendship is actually our works. Because faithfulness is a buzzword that can be seen around the Christian world. But faithfulness can either be done from works or done from position. Are you faithful because God tells you to be faithful? Well, then you're just obeying a law. But if you're faithful because your friend is faithful, now you're working from position. You see, when God breaks through into your life in this kind of way, in the way that he broke through into Abraham's life, then what happens is you can trust him to be trustworthy. You can believe in him to be faithful because he is. It does, it's not just one of his names. It describes his complete character. He is faithful and he will make you faithful, not by command, not by works, but from position. As we read earlier, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. It was faithfulness that was restored and that restored relationship, that which restored relationship also restored the original commission to reign in a position of favor. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But God's not wanting us to believe because he's making us believe. He's wanting us to choose to believe. See, there's a big difference there. There's a real big difference there. And, 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 and God can't break through if you're working toward faithfulness. You see, because your works are like filthy cloth to God, even in the area of faithfulness. So faithfulness must come from position before it comes from action. Our faithfulness, our position of faithfulness causes us to step out and do the works of God. We don't do the works of God to get the favor of God. We already have it because we're his friend. You see? Do you trust God in this? Maybe this is what's holding back your breakthrough. Do you believe God is all good? That his plans are for you and not to harm you? Do you know God wants to prosper you? This is a big one. Each of us have to battle something in our minds. The old mindset needs to be broken. That's why Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to renew the old way and live in the newness of life. And I'm taking a little bit long. Last one. This, is, this will bring about a challenge, I hope. My last one is, if friendship brings about faithfulness, faithfulness brings about fruitfulness. See, when God breaks through, he, he breaks through into your life as your friend. And you get to know him. 
Then he, he, he breaks through and he teaches you what faithful is, to be faithful to him and his calling. And when we're faithful, it's from that place that God brings about fruitfulness in our life. First part of fruitfulness, I believe, when we are friends of God and faithful to His cause, a natural fruit of that is that we begin to be fruitful in the sharing of the gospel, of advancing the king's domain in our region. Genesis 28, 14, Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Sounds like something God would say to Abraham, but it wasn't. This is how Isaac, Abraham's son, blessed his second son, Jacob. It must have been the blessing of God coming through his father into the son. In our fruitfulness, we are blessed, but the nations of the world are blessed through our faithfulness. Our call to evangelism or to share the good news about Jesus is a message of blessing, of hope, and of a God who loves and desires that no one should perish. Is that a great motivator for you today? The second part of our fruitfulness comes in the challenge. Because God gives us plenty of opportunity to be fruitful. He really does. But often it's our mindset that's holding us back. Fruitfulness is also not just so that we can be fruitful to others. It's so that God can be fruitful to us. When you read about God blessing Abraham and God blessing Isaac and God blessing Jacob and and God blessing Mary uh, for for carrying his son, when you read all those those blessings, what's he actually talking about? I feel blessed today. Okay, that's great. But with God, there's generally an action involved. Like, you can't have faith without works. It's that kind of thing. Abraham was a blessed man. And this literally means that Abraham was a rich man. Have a look at what Abraham owned. He was a very, very rich and powerful man, which is why he got let go on a number of occasions when he lied to certain kings about his wife being his sister and and all of that. It was because he was very powerful. It's why a covenant was made over a well that you can continually see come up all through Scripture. It was because of God's favor and blessing upon Abraham's life. But it was because he was so powerfully wealthy within the region. He had influence. Many Christians, though, are blind to the blessing of God. I'm going to say this straight, and I say it so that the Holy Spirit can bring it upon our lives and rock it out of our world. Because I have to. Because I was once controlled by this mindset. It's called a poverty spirit or a a spirit of this world mindset. Right? And it holds the church back. Not because, it holds us back because it says, well, we shouldn't want to get for ourselves. And, And amen to that. It's not about getting for ourselves. It's about living out the blessing that God has commanded upon our life. Right? So many Christians are actually blind to this. It's a poverty mindset. 
But Jesus blew this apart in Matthew when he talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all of this shall be added unto you. Your every need shall be met. How many missionaries have gone out before us in this day carrying nothing but what is on their back? Not even a money bag as he's commanded and he has fulfilled everything that they wanted. And it's not just about that. Because God wants to bless people in business so that they can be a blessing to send people into the rest of the world. It's not just about us. And when we get over us, blessing is actually more than just seeking financial money. It's, it's so much more. It's living above those things. Jesus blew this apart. And can we stop the Lord's blessing when we are found to be friends of God, faithful in what he's given us to do. I don't think we can. So God wants to break the mindset off us and he does that by showing you he first is your friend and that he shows you that you can trust him. And if you can trust him, then he can learn to trust you. And he can trust you with simple, small steps that eventually come about in blessing in your life because he can trust you with much. If God can trust you with little, he can trust you with much. You see that in many of God's par- Jesus' parables. Some of us need a lot. I don't have a problem saying that. I don't need a lot. I need what the Lord has for me. But some of you need a lot because that's what the Lord has for you. And if you're thinking smaller than a lot, then God wants to challenge you in that. Some of you may need very little. And that's great because God has made you frugal and he's made you an abundant and blessing in other ways. And your story breaks down the, the barriers of other people. You see, we've got to be open and prepared to what God wants to do in each of us. And I think what's happened in the church is we've grabbed hold of a prosperity mindset and said, if you're not rich, then you're not following God. And that is bollocks. It is not what God has for you. God has a blessing for each of us. And we only discover that by being faithful to the friendship that he offers us. You see, this he wants to break it through in our lives. God wants to do something with your little and turn it into something big. This is what happened with Jacob and Abraham's grandson. Um, It's all about inheritance and prosperity and leaving a legacy and all of those things. Genesis 30 puts it like this. Jacob said to him, Be, uh, You yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fed with me. For you had little before I came and it was increased abundantly. And the Lord has increased you wherever I turned. But now when shall I provide for my own household? Jacob living independently from his inheritance, submits himself to his father-in-law for seven years, was, was diddled out of that and had to serve another seven years. But in that 14 years, he brought blessing upon that household and they abounded. And then Jacob abounded because he worked for himself for that time and he did a few things like stripy goats and spotty goats and, <laughs> and, and he got the ones that you know, were the blessing. So you see, God prospered him no matter what he did. God wants to prosper you. And it's not just financially, it's about 
relationship. It starts at friendship. And your blessing flows from there. Whatever that may look like. It was what it was like when I was at Collier Miller. I had people come in all the time. And, and this is not to toot my own horn in any way. But I had genuine people come to me and said, if it wasn't for you, this place would be going backwards. If it wasn't for you, I can see the Lord's hand upon this place because something you carry. You see? Because that's what God does in your life when you understand. And that's how God broke it off my life, this poverty mindset. And it came to the day when I stood there before God with a, a full-time or a part-time and then a full-time offer to work for the church. I was going to go backwards in finances. My brain said, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But you know what my spirit said? I am not my provider. My Lord is my provider and he commands the blessing. You see, and that's what he'll do in your life. When you put the kingdom first, when you put your friendship to God first and your faithfulness to God second, blessing is commanded in your life. That's part of the unity message. Honor the Lord with your wealth, Proverbs 3, verse 9. And with the first fruits of your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You see, that's a, an observation made by the wisest person that ever walked the earth apart from Jesus. When God breaks through, there is evidence. We see it in our friendships with him that I am passionately drawn in to spend time with him. We see it in our faithfulness that we're able to trust God with every step of our life and where we work, live, serve in those sorts of places and we see it in our fruitfulness. We see it in sharing of the gospel and we see it in the blessing that God bestows upon our life. And most of you, if any of you are like me, don't like to tell what God has done, we need to break that off our lives, right? Because in the testimony, it's like God saying, do it again. So I'll give you a little short testimony this week as I give you a challenge. I went over time. I apologize. I knew it would be big today, but I hope I kept you intrigued. I hope I challenged you to think about friendship with God. But let me share this one story as Jamie comes to just take us in communion. I've been looking at my bank budget this week because we went away on, on holidays and... Um, you know, that, that test comes again. God, are, are you going to be faithful or, or do I just need to push into your friendship that I have with you? All right? Not because I'm in need, probably because I was in want and was very um, bad with my finances while we were away. And, and I didn't hear anything. And I'm like, okay, God, what, what are you doing? Okay, whatever. It'll come when I need it. It will come. Sounds like Jan, doesn't it? She says that a lot. It'll come when I need it. It'll come. And, and you know what? This is testifying to the fact that it hasn't come, but it will. And I'm not saying that it'll come through any of you, so don't take it that way. What I'm saying is that God challenged me in something else because when I was working through it, I went, oh, it just a thought came to mind. I haven't paid my tithe yet. <gasps> Who's done that before? <laughs> anyway, I haven't paid my tithe yet and I haven't got it. So I looked at my bank balance, oh no, and I, I grabbed some money that I was putting aside for Christmas and I'll put that in there and then I'll, I'll pay my tithe and I jumped online and I pay fortnightly. So yep, yep, that's great, paid, paid my tithe. Yes, thank you God, you're first. See, you're first, even though I, I left you last, you're first God. You're, 
toot your own horn, you know. And I said, right, okay, I'm done. You know, it dawned on me yesterday morning. I come here to prayer and I came here to prepare the, ser- the, the sermon. It dawned on me yesterday morning. I actually double paid my tithe. Woo! <laughs> I looked at my bank account yesterday and I paid my tithe on the 23rd of January. That's only a week ago. You see? So I said, all oh, right, I don't have to pay my tithe next fortnight. Yes! And God tapped me on the shoulder and he said, ha ha. Gotcha. Went, what do you mean? And he said, do you trust me? I said, yeah, I trust you. And next week when my pay comes in, I'll pay my tithe. And it's not tooting what I'm sharing. What it is, is it's challenging my mindset to say, it's not me who provides. It's God, my friend, who is faithful and he will be fruitful in all that I do. Do we believe God is a God of breakthrough? Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for what you're sharing, for what you're doing and for what you're breaking off of our lives. We thank you that you are breaking through into even some of these hard areas where we don't like talking, like money. Lord, I pray that this church would be a house that would become not only generous in spirit, but would not even mind talking about how generous they are because, Lord God, it is a reflection of how generous you are. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. What a generous act that is. That it broke through our barriers and our walls and our mindsets and it brought us into relationship with you. If everything fails in insignificance, Lord, my relationship with you is number one. Let that be what we all say today. That we are friends of God and with friendship, will come breakthrough. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Jamie.